This message has been parts of the message where I took it from uh, have been like stirring in my heart over the past several years. Uh, a title that titled is kind of strange, Birth Pangs, Wheat, Oil, and Gold. Uh, it's a little bit of a strange title maybe, but I, as we go along, I'm, I'm praying and believing that all these things are going to tie together and you're going to see the significance of it. And so... Uh, as we look out over the world, the crazy world, the days that we're living in, of such rapid change, upheaval, um, uncertainty of so much, you know, in the midst of it all, the church, we, we said this last week, the church is called to be salt and light, right? In the midst of the corruption and the darkness that are in the world, we're called to be salt and light. In the midst of what it says in Philippians, a crooked and perverse generation, and it's interesting that it was titled, that Paul labeled a, a crooked and perverse generation 2,000 years ago. And because of sin, it still hasn't changed. Sin in the hearts of men haven't changed. And so to be salt and light in this day and time is not always easy, have you noticed? <laughs> to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, for one thing, and maintain a love for him and his word with all the distractions of life, and maintain a love and a belief that there's truth, like we sang this song, I believe in God the Father, Christ the Son, the Holy Spirit, the resurrection, and he's coming again. I mean, to believe these things uh, and love people who are haters of God. And it's not easy in the, in the midst of persecution like that. And we can all be sure and know this, that it's going to cost you and me something if we're going to love God with all of our heart and love people in the midst of what we see out there and keep our eyes on him because our faith is going to be tried. Our endurance is going to be tried. You know, our love is going to be tried. You know, and it's all going to be tried in the fire. It's going to be tried in the fire. So we, and whether you realize it or not, we are living in the last days. Okay, and to be sure, you know, we know that the last days began 2,000 years ago at the beginning of the church age when Peter said this is the beginning of what the prophet Joel spoke about. In the last days, God would pour out his spirit. And so we've been in living for 2,000 years in the last days. Then um, Matthew 24 tells us that in the last days, as it does get closer and I believe we are getting closer, um, that there will be birth pangs. There'll be early birth pangs that the earth will be experiencing as a sign. There's a, these are signs of, of Jesus' second coming, all right? And so there's a shaking coming with the birth pains. There is a shaking that Scripture talks about um, that will eventually be so great when God will judge the nations, Okay? I mean, indeed, like the entire universe will be cleansed from sin. Won't that be a great day? <laughs> and it'll be reclaimed for the kingdom of God, and it'll become the visible kingdom of God on this earth when Jesus comes back. And everything is going to be shaken so that what cannot be shaken, Scripture says, will remain, okay? And what will remain is, you know, the grass withers it says in the flower fades but the word of our god will stand and last forever and so what is written in this book about ourselves about the future will come to pass it will remain and there's a preparation of heart that we need to be aware of okay that we need to be aware of the preparation of heart that's necessary as we face the days ahead I mean, recently I heard a man um, talk about being married to a nurse, and she, his nurse was worked in obstetri obstetrics. She was then training to be a midwife in midwifery, you know, and if you know what midwifery is, it's helping moms um, through their pregnancy and then helping them have a natural, healthy childbirth, a safe delivery. And he, he have jokingly said, you know, if you've ever been married to a nurse or uh, you know you're often going to hear more details than you bargained for. <laughs> and I thought, 
I was a nurse, you know, years ago, and I, it was just like that. It's like, Steve, you can't, even, you can't believe what I saw today, you know, and then you just get into the details about whatever body parts and functioning and this happened. He's like, I don't need to hear all this. You know? <laughs> More than you bargained for. But he went on to explain that as she was just talking uh, about birth and birthing pains and their significance, she said that the birthing pains, you know, are not just meant to be just the woman just suffers birthing pains. You know you're going to have pain. It's like, well, we know that God said in, after the fall in the garden, you know, that the woman in, in childbirth is going to experience pain, and so you'll just be pain. But she went on to explain that there was purpose in those contractions, and it was more than just enduring pain, that there was actually a purpose going on in the body. And, of course, number, number one, like, birth pains, contractions, you know, lets us know if you've ever had a child and gone through childbirth, some, there's a delivery that's going to happen at some point here. The baby, in other words, is drawing near to be born, and you can tell with those contractions what's happening. It's telling you, especially as they get more intense and they get closer together. It's like uh, it's about, the baby's about to arrive. So in natural childbirth, you know, the pain that she's experiencing is also telling her to adjust her body, get in the right position <laughs> so that the baby can pass through the birth canal. And the pain, okay, is signaling her body so to, to reposition, to do something, <laughs> adjust and be ready for the delivery. And I thought, you know, when I heard this, I mean, it might sound simple, but I thought that had such a pertinent spiritual parallel when you consider Matthew 24 and the birth pains that we're told the world and we are going to experience before the second coming of Christ. So let's think about it. Like in the natural, birth pains are causing the woman to adjust her body, reposture, get ready, something's happening it's telling her, her body even knows to do this. When you apply this in the spirit, the birth pains that Matthew 24 talks about coming upon the world is the same, works as a parallel to tell the church, the bride, <laughs> adjust yourself, reposition yourself, get ready, realign yourself because something is being birthed here. It's going to be the birth of the visible kingdom of God, of Jesus Christ, the millennial reign of Christ on the earth. And if you, if you, we don't have it up on PowerPoint, but if you brought your Bible, and I hope you did, we're going to look at a few scriptures today. I'm just going to mention one, Romans 8 here, 820, if you want to turn there and get a drink of water. The darkness and corruption... Okay, and the decay that we see in the world ultimately is the result of sin. You know, you look at what they talk about on TV and the talking heads and, you know, why is this happening and how come? And I just think it's sin in the heart of people. And so the darkness and the decay that we see happening around us in the world uh, is ultimately the result of sin. It was not God's original intention, we talked about that some time ago, that this, is, this was not what God intended for man. But until Jesus returns, God, like in his wisdom, has subjected the world and all creation to, the, to be subject to this decay. He's, he, and it says that in Romans 8.20. It says, for the creation was subjected to futility, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. And if you read in context in that chapter, he's talking about how God is doing this. And so there's a purpose to it. We are looking like at a world that has been submitted to a process of decay. And there's really no choice in the matter, because it says that. <laughs> Not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. The world will one day fully give over to that decay as the result of sin and rebellion and lawlessness. I mean, if you just go read the book of Revelation, you begin to see <laughs> the unfolding 
of what sin and lawlessness without bounds is going to do in the earth and the judgment of God that will come against it. And so the groaning of creation under the weight of this sin has been going on since the fall, since the garden. It's, you know, it's, it really is nothing new, but we are told in the last days it's going to increase. We will see more, all right, wars, the, the things that are listed in, in Matthew 24. And if you haven't read Matthew 24 lately, I'd encourage you to go back and read Matthew 24. Wars, hatred, pestilence, famine, earthquakes, apostasy, immorality. Second Timothy says, you know, people will be lovers of self and love, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And I think we're seeing a bit of that around. And it, it's really the Lord's wisdom when you think about it and his great wisdom and mercy and patience to use these things he's using these things to cause his bride to cause his church his beloved people to get ready to be ready heart ready reposition yourself <laughs> not just go through the upheaval turn on the news oh my gosh the world is crazy shut it off and try to forget about it and go distract yourself with other things. That's not getting ready. <laughs> and we're going to go through birthing pains. Amen. I mean, COVID-19 is, you know, a, a, a testament to that, really. It caused this worldwide birth pain, shaking of, the, of it. We haven't really seen anything in modern history, really, that affected the entire world the way this one virus did. It shook the whole world, whether it was fear or through lockdowns and, and quarantines. And, and there was economic, there still is economic fallout from it, right? There's political and cultural change that has come about with it. You know, the freedom of speech has been affected. Our, our rights, our rights to privacy have been taken away mandated people are mandated to take vaccines it, you know it's 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 ushering in this push for this great global reset if you haven't heard about it look it up <laughs> it's like a reset of our entire economic systems and social foundations really is what they what it's about okay and believe me, when you read about it and you just look at what's happening in the news, it is not moving closer to Christian thought, Christian perspective. It's moving further and further away from this. I, yeah. And so COVID-19, we say, is a birth pain that causes shaking, but it caused a shaking far more than just sickness, Right? And then, so in the last days, if we're in the last days, and we are, you're not going to live in some secret little bubble. Well, I don't like this thought, Pastor, so I'm just going to, well, guess what? You can't avoid it. <laughs> were you able to avoid COVID-19? I mean, it's just, you're, you, some of you had COVID. Some of you know people who did. Some of you, sadly, you know, lost. Friend, yeah, family members that passed away because of it. You know, but even if you didn't, if you didn't have COVID or you didn't even know anybody who did, you've been affected by the shaking, nevertheless, in the earth. And I believe the Lord is using these things as a wake-up call, the birthing pains, a wake-up call to bring us into an alignment with him, with what he's saying to us, to get familiar with him. And see what he's saying about our future. Because he wants our heart like repositioned and ready for, I say again, a healthy birthing process. Like the birth of his kingdom to be ready for his return and not experience what we might call a miscarriage in the days to come. To reposition our life priorities. Scripture says, awake, O sleeper, in Ephesians 5. And look carefully how you walk. Live purposefully. Paul said it 2,000 years ago, because the days are evil. Look carefully how you walk. Use our time wisely. 
Pay attention to what he's saying to your heart during these times, especially as we feel the birth pains. Because he's, I know he is. He's, not, he's, he's nudging all of us, hey, move over, reposture re yourself. Move over this way, not that way to get ready. Maybe get this out of your life or add this into your life to get ready. Change your priorities, your, your lifestyle. He's talking to us for those who have ears to hear. And why? Because he wants us to be spiritually strong. So that as the birth pangs get more intense, as we're told, you're just, you're not freaking out in fear. Ah, what's happening to my life? What's going to happen to my money? What's going to happen to my health, my family? Blah. You know. Or become offended at God. God, I thought you were so good. Why is this happening to me? Right? Offended at people. We, we, we're, we are meant to get more aligned with the heart of God in the midst of it. And reposition ourselves over and over because it takes that, doesn't it? I mean, one day you're up, next day you're down. One day you're up. It's like we have, to con we have to do our own internal reset. Talk about the global reset. It's like this is an internal reset. I'm sticking with you, Lord. I'm sticking with you, Lord. And the Bible uh, is a prophetic book. Like over a fourth of it is prophecy. And, you know, predicting, what is prophecy? Prophecy predicts future events. And many of them have been fulfilled to the exact accuracy. The coming of Christ as Savior, the rise and fall of kingdoms. Many prophetic words have been fulfilled, again, with, come to pass with amazing accuracy. But there are other prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled. Okay? And we can be assured that they will come to pass. We've seen the others come to pass. There's no reason. God says his word will stand forever. And so they will come to pass. Yeah. The rapture of the church, the, the tribulation. Scripture talks about these things. These are prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled. The second coming of Christ. He's not, the visible kingdom of God is not on this earth yet. The millennial reign. The restoration of Israel. These are things that are still pr prophetic words yet still to be fulfilled. And in Revelation 19, if you want to turn there, Revelation 19, start with verse 7, we see a glimpse here of the future, a, a kind of a, a predictive, prophetic glimpse of the future of the church as the bride of Christ, at the coming wedding feast. The bride is standing there, adorned in white garments it says she's made herself ready revelation 19 verse 7 i'll read it we're going to read to verse 9 it says let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Okay, so I want you to notice, if you've got your Bible in front of you, that in verse, uh, in verse 9, or is it verse 8? Yeah, she's made herself ready. She has made herself ready. That's, I'm sorry, that is verse 7. Yeah, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. And in doing that, in making herself ready, it said it was granted her to wear special clothing. Lint, fine, pure, bright, white linen clothing. An appropriate garment that was made, from what it says here, from, the, from righteous acts of her life in other words somehow in the spirit we're going to wear garments that are reflective of how we lived <laughs> because it says that for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints so it's going to translate into a robe 
that we wear, how we live, godly living. It's because it says righteous acts of the saints. And so it's good deeds, godly living, godly conduct. In the end, you're going to need the right apparel on to be invited to the wedding feast. This is important for us to understand. And she made herself ready. She partnered with the Lord prior to the marriage supper of the Lamb. To live now, she wanted to live now in such a way that she'd be ready for that day. That's the only way it can happen. And so we have to ask ourselves, are you partnering in your own heart with the Lord to be prepared for that day? Reposturing yourself, realigning your priorities, looking ahead. So many people just live in the here and now. We make a big mistake when we do that. Because we are not living for the now. We're living for eternity. We must have an eternal outlook on what this all means. And then everything gets into perspective the right way. So she made herself ready. Are you partnering in your heart with the Lord now? Again, I say lifestyles, priorities, so that you're ready for that day. And even summoned. It says she was summoned to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the Lord has given us so much scripture to help us understand, right? The importance and the gravity of our life and where all this is heading. This is a prophetic book. And we would serve ourselves well to get into it and read it and study it and think about it. (laughs) Which brings me to the wheat part of the message. I want to be sure I get this all in. Matthew 13, verse 40. Wheat. We have the parable of the wheat and the tares here. Or the wheat or, and weeds. And although you wouldn't qualify a parable as something that's prophetic or a prophecy, the meaning and the story and the truth that's laid out in the parable definitely gives us a predictive glimpse, a, a, like a prophetic glimpse of what's going to happen to the people at the end of the age. I mean, most of us are familiar with the parable. We've taught on it before, so I'm not going to really read the whole thing. The story is basically how wheat seeds and weed or tares seeds are sown into the large field of the world. The wheat represents children of the kingdom, and the tares represent children of the evil one, it says. And tares and weeds, or tares... Tares or weeds, I should say, can look a lot like wheat as they're growing together. I remember when we did something in this series here, we showed a picture of it, and you really couldn't tell them as they grew together until the grain ripened at the top, and then it was like, that's a weed, and that's true wheat. All right. So in the parable, uh, the owner of the field purposely says, let them both grow together. Don't just pull out the weeds now. Let them both grow together until the final harvest at the end of the age. And then the harvester angel will be sent to gather the tares out. And this is for all those who do wickedly. And this is Matthew 13, verse 40. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that that causes sin in all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Okay, so when I think about the tares or the weeds... There's going to be a ripening of wickedness in the coming days as the tares grow (laughs) and reach a harvest time until the harvest at the close of the age. And so the days ahead, we're going to hold more difficult things. I don't want to sound like this is a message of doom and gloom, but really we have a lot of, we have living hope. (laughs) It all turns out good if you stick with Jesus, you will overcome And it all turns out good, yeah. But the days ahead, as tares grow and grow into harvest, there's going to be a ripening of wickedness in the earth coming to pass, okay, until the close of the age. And so the days ahead 
are going to hold some difficult things that Jesus is going to allow the process of this decay. Remember, we just looked at the Roman scripture. And, you know, to be like a breeding ground of wickedness, if you will, or immorality, in government, in rulers of nations, in society in general, in the culture. And the decay is coming from lawlessness and sin that is just going to permeate the world culture. And if we think it's bad now, it's going to get into multiplied lawlessness, is what Scripture tells us as the tares and the weeds keep growing up to harvest time. But at the same time, let's think about the wheat. Because we are also going to see a harvest of wheat growing and ripening right, out, right alongside of it. I mean, how many of you are determining, I am a grain of wheat? I hope you are. You need to make these decisions now. <laughs> to the to people who choose to persevere, choose the truth, choose to walk humbly, obediently to Jesus, to stay faithful to him till the end. Okay? And so the, in the early church, there was a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I mentioned that at the beginning. You know, this Peter said on the day of Pentecost, this is the beginning of what the prophet Joel talked about. In the last days, God will pour out his spirit. And in these last days, I believe for the wheat, God is going to pour out his spirit also. That as darkness reaches this ripening, the wheat will also ripen. And then we will see a similar outpouring of God's spirit for those who cling to him, for those who seek him. The same signs and wonders that were in the beginning of the last days, God is going to produce at the end of the last days for the wheat. And so there's, there, I believe there's a revival coming as these things ripening, uh, ripen to the harvest for the faithful, the remnant, the wheat coming to full harvest. And because the righteous, it says, will shine like the sun in the end in the midst of all the societal darkness. And so we can look forward to the Holy Spirit pouring out upon us as we seek him for signs, wonders, healings, miracles. You know, so as the Lord allows the birth pains and the tares to grow and ripen around us, I, I, I keep in mind that he has a plan and a purpose for his church. He hasn't forgotten and he's not just looking some other direction he knows exactly what's going on and everything has been prophesied and foretold a long time ago he's working out a plan that he's had from the foundation of the earth and the plan was to send his son not to let us be lost forever miss the mark forever separated from God forever. His plan was to send his son Jesus, take the full penalty for our sin, which caused our separation from God, ability to know him, love him, be in his family. He took our full penalty for sin on the cross, died, rose in triumph over sin and death, and then gives us his righteousness, gives us his plan and purpose for our life, which you will find if you open the pages of this book and begin to read. He welcomes us back to his family. But there is a cost. See, this is part of the preparation. There is a cost to following him. Our salvation is not just a ticket to heaven. I say this frequently, but it is not just I gave my life to Christ and now I just, oh, I'm, I'm good. You just took a tiny step. Because we are to bear fruit now. If we say we're saved, we are called to bear fruit of a transformed life. Right? We, Jesus said, I'll know the, you know the tree by its fruit. This is how Jesus will be able to judge. Because he does say in Scripture, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't obey what I tell you? All right? But, but Jesus loves his church. He, he did what he did in love. He came in love so that in the end we could be equally yoked with him in love understand his great love for us, and then we give that same love back. That's what he's after, that kind of deep level of trust. But he also knows the snares and the traps 
the schemes of the enemy, the pull of the world on your flesh to just say, no, did God really say, and, you know, come out this way, pulling us away from God. And so he knows this, and so he's given us all these incredible stories, wisdom, parables, so we can understand our life in the earth. And he wants us to be ready. Reposition yourself. Be a part of that faithful remnant. The wheat harvest, like how do we do this? Well, then here we come to the oil. He says to buy oil. Buy oil, all right? Matthew 25, we've looked at this before over the years in our church. Matthew 25. This is the parable of the ten virgins, all right? Parable of the ten virgins, very telling parable. Five were wise and five were foolish. Now, you want to be a part of the five wise. (laughs) And if you haven't, again, read Matthew 24, read it and then read gone into Matthew 25 because it all goes together. Because Matthew 25, 1 says, then at that time, and it's continuing on with the thoughts from chapter 24, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. And the foolish ones took their lamps, but didn't take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Now, just I'm going to pause there because we've all been living in this kind of long delay, waiting for the bridegroom, aren't we, to come back. And what will my response be in this delay time is what you have to ask yourself. In the, in the birth pains, in the shifting culture, many believers just this past couple of years are asking themselves, like, what is happening The shaking is causing people to ask themselves even, what do I really believe? Is the church even really important? Because people, I I could tell you that the church has lost numbers, a lot of numbers of people through the COVID pandemic, out of fear, out of concern for, you know, many reasons. But we, we, we have seen people make public, public figures that we know in the music industry, preachers, once followers of Christ, now saying, I'm walking away. I'm not a believer anymore. So there's, what will my response be in this delay? You know, because it says there, they all became drowsy and and they fell asleep. People are, you know, where is he? I'm asking myself, is there only one truth people are saying? Because we hear hear this all the time. Your truth, my truth, do your truth. (laughs) Is there one way, one truth, (laughs) one life? Yes, there is. And so people, as they decide to walk away, are, are, of course, part of the foolish. But look at verse 6. But at midnight, there was a cry, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Verse 7, then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, since there won't be enough for us and for you, Go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I don't know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. There's so much in this parable, but I I want you to notice that they are all virgins, all have lamps. Jesus is coming back for a bride that is represented as a virgin, okay? A person who has one heart devoted to him, betrothed to him, if you will. Hasn't given themselves over to the idols in the world, the culture, love for the world, lovers of money, self, power, you know, sexual immorality, distortion of God's plan for marriage and family. 
All ten are called virgins. All have lamps that are capable of being filled with oil. But what they chose to occupy themselves with in their heart in the long delay mattered. And it mattered a lot in the end because five of them were foolish and it cost them dearly. <laughs> it cost them eternity. It's, it's a sobering parable because they did not, the foolish did not take time to reposition themselves, realign their priorities, in other words, to get oil, right? So in the coming days, you know, we're going to see more people, I believe, falling away from Christ, the apostasy that it's, it's talked about, you know, the delusion that's coming on the world and is in the world. <laughs> we are in the delusion, I mean, how many times can you listen to the news and say, this is insane. Is anybody, can anybody think anymore? And I think they're in a delusion. <laughs> Worries, offense, lust for other things. There's a lot of stuff that happens in the delay when you don't see something fulfilled right in front of you. But, you know, I'm here to tell you today that the Lord is saying to you today that you don't have it doesn't, you don't have to be one of the five foolish. You can choose to be one of the five wise. Just buy oil. Get some intimacy. Oil, is, oil represents intimacy with the Lord in this parable. And the parable is teaching us that you have to, you need to cultivate your own intimacy. <laughs> you can't borrow someone's intimacy. <laughs> I could tell you about it, and you could sort of feel like, yeah, I'm sort of getting it, but when you're by yourself, you're going to have to have something else to draw on than what I said to you, right? And the Sunday message that you come here, a Sunday message once every three weeks, and that's about all that you really understand, is not going to hold you when things start to shake, more and more. Hey, you know, give me some of your oil. Like, I'm freaked out. My, you know, everything's just happening. My marriage is struggling. My kids are rebelling. Pray for me. Well, okay, you know, prayer is good and we will pray for people. But the parable is telling us cultivate your own intimacy with the Lord. Jesus is pleading with you, with me now, buy oil. Before it's too late, reposition yourself, think about your life, think about your priorities, invest in the costly process, because it will cost you your time, your priorities, to make room for him. If our life is too filled up with everything else, there's no room for him. If you empty yourself of some things that aren't really necessary, then there's room for more intimacy. And so he's saying, spend time with me now. Don't keep putting it off. Spend time with me now. Read, study my word. Sit at my feet, if you will. Learn of me. Draw nigh to me. Learn to listen to what I'm saying. I know that when you come to church on Sundays, you leave here, and the Holy Spirit has spoken something to every single one of your hearts. I mean, unless you just sit there like a stone, and I don't know why you'd come to church if that's... <laughs> but if you're open, the Holy Spirit's talking. It's not really that hard. It's the obedience that's hard. <laughs> But it's this personal intimacy that we have, knowing his goodness, knowing his faithfulness as we spend time with him, that's what's going to hold you steady when things shake. This is why people still came to church here when it shook, because it was like, I'm not shaking. I'm coming to church. I'm going to pray. You know, I'm going to do what the Lord tells me to do. And you learn of him that way. You're going to say, I've seen him work in my life. I've seen him work with my children. I've seen him work in my marriage and my finances, whatever it is. As you have spent time with him, trusted him, obeyed his word, you're putting oil in your lamp. You're going, you're going like, I know him. Yeah. And see, the faith that you bring into the tribulation times ahead can't be borrowed faith. <laughs> you know? And you're certainly not going to gain that kind of faith in one day. Well, you know, I, <laughs> I mean, world events change. Yeah, the, the things in the world change very quickly, just as we saw with COVID, right? 
I mean, in the parable, in that long delay, it was like the door was open. Come to me. He's saying, come to me, come to me, draw close to me. But in one day then, when they came, it was shut. (laughs) And then it's too late to build faith. So the Lord is like pleading with us, buy oil, okay? And then lastly, the last one, to prepare us for the days ahead, the Lord is pleading with us also to buy gold. Buy gold. I guess where this is going. Revelation chapter 3. <laughs> Revelation chapter 3. We're not talking about buying an ounce of gold for your financial portfolio. We're talking about, <laughs> talking about buying gold that represents our faith. It's tried in the fires we're going to see. You know, the message... This is, the, this is the, the angel's message to the Apostle John to the church in Laodicea. And the Laodicean church, Jesus warned, he said, you all are you're lukewarm, and there's a problem with it, a very big problem with it. And so in the message that Jesus had you know, to the lukewarm church in Laodicea 2,000 years ago is just as relevant to the church today to have ears to hear, especially the American church. I mean, we're the most prosperous of all the nations, right? We are. But look at the state of the church as a whole. I mean, COVID proved to be, to have this refining effect, did it not, on the church? Yeah. Whether, like I said, it's through fear or just concerns about going out and masking and quarantining and social distancing and people weren't, but they were supposed to go to church and wear a mask and not sing. It was like... You know, church was labeled as non-essential. It got people all mixed up who weren't sure of the truth. And complacency set in. And it was getting easier and easier to just stay home. Let's just watch it from home. And many have not returned to church. And so COVID had a refining effect on the church. And, I, and then with it, I think this, this, the concerning part is, the way I perceive it, and I think many pastors of churches perceive it, it doesn't seem to bother, any, bother the people either. Well, I'm not going. I'm all right. <laughs> Everything's good. I still have my job. And... So let's just read. <laughs> uh, verse 15, I'll start here just to save a little bit of time. I know your works. I know your works. This is Revelation 3:15. I know your works. This is Jesus speaking really prophetically. I know your works that you're neither cold nor hot. And I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich and have stored up goods and have need of nothing. Yet you do not realize that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, that you may be rich. Oh, here we see clothing again, and white garments (laughs) that you may be clothed. Yeah, but the shame of your nakedness may not appear, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Why does he do this? Because he wants us not to suffer loss. Therefore, he says, be zealous and repent. Listen, he's saying, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. Think about the privilege that the Lord himself is saying, I'm knocking on the door of your heart. Would you like to dine with me? Would you like to know me? And then he says, to him who overcomes, will I grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And here we go again. He who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So Jesus is saying to this church, this lukewarm church, like looking from the outside materially and all your possessions, you know, your money, you would judge yourself, I'm, I'm all right. You know, compared to them, I'm okay. <laughs> well, I mean, look how blessed I am. Look at what I have. Yeah. But Jesus said in the Spirit, <laughs> You're poor spiritually, and you're blind, and you're naked. Because in actuality, you're living a very selfish, materialistic, pleasure-oriented life, and you're calling it faith. Well, this is 
I love God and he loves me and look at how he's blessed me, but I don't really need to pay attention to anything else in obedience, right? And so if we call that faith, in the end it's not going to stand the test and the fire and the tribulation and the shakings that we're told we are going to go through. And so he's saying, buy from me gold, okay? Tried in the fire. And so our faith is likened to gold that needs refinement, okay? It needs refinement so it can become pure. In the natural, when gold, a piece of, you know, gold um, is held in the fire, they hold it in the fire so that the dross and the impurities in the metal come to the surface and they come out and then you have this pure piece of gold. But it was fire that allowed that to happen. And our faith, like gold, is going to be tested. It has been. We all live in the world. (laughs) Tested, tried, and proved in the fire so that we know it's genuine. This is important that you know your faith is genuine. You're not living on some kind of fool's, they call it fool's gold, remember? <laughs> you know, the, the gold seekers, you know, they, the stories about them, they, they, were, they found fool's gold and they looked just like gold. It was yellow, it was glossy, it was shiny, but in the end, when they put it in the fire, it just all burned up, yeah. And so we are going to be faced, you know, in, in our everyday life, we live by faith. And we face all kinds of tests all the time. This is not like, oh my gosh, God is going to send a test on me. I mean, you're tested in your finances when you start to look at your checkbook and do I have, you know, these are tests. How do I, how do I look at that? Forgiveness, walking in forgiveness with people in day-to-day life is a test. Honesty is a test. Morality, how I live, my sexuality, you know, is a test. Servanthood, do I have a heart of servanthood? is a test. I mean, we have a test all the time. Our, our pride, ego, humility, these are all tests. And you really can't tell the quality of something until you try it. Yeah. Until it's tested by fire, and then if it emerges from the furnace, you know, then we know that that faith is genuine. So it's like this precious gold that God is saying, I I don't want you to have a false perception, like a fool's gold (laughs) that you're holding on to. Because there's coming a day, there is coming a day, you know, when God, I say, is going to shake everything that can be shaken. So that what cannot be shaken, I say it again, will remain. And so what is built in our lives upon obedience to him trust in him, love for him and his word, that's what's going to remain in your life. That's what you'll take over with you into eternity. You will not take your possessions. See, this is why he told the Laodicean church, you think you're rich, you think you have everything because you're judging your life by all these outward things. But what about your heart? Are you repositioning your heart to know me? Hold fast to me. And so, I guess we have the worship team come up. We'll begin to close. Jesus pleads with us. He's pleading with us, really, in love so that we're ready to meet him. He's saying, pay attention to the birth pangs. They're not there for you to just, you know, suffer through and have no reason. Reposition and realign your life. Ask the Lord, show me things in my life, Lord, that are not pleasing to you. Show me things where I, I need to... Spend more time and less time over in someplace else. Those wheat and the tares. It just helps us remind us that sin and decay is going to grow in the earth right alongside us. But we can choose. This is the beauty of our free will. You can choose to be a vessel of honor. You can choose to be wheat. You can choose to buy oil. You can choose to buy gold. And God gives us all the grace and mercy kindness and patience to do it i i I plead with you today don't turn your heart away because these things will affect your eternity and eternity is real and there's everlasting life and there's everlasting death in hell separated from god 
And so, Father God, you know, I, I pray you show us, show each one of us, Lord, ways that we need to reposition our life, our heart, to get our lives in alignment and in obedience to you. We see in your word, Lord, you are so committed to this process. You've given us so many stories. You are committed to us. I pray that we would be people that would be committed in our heart the same way to you. Help us, Lord, not to be so distracted just by the cares of life that we miss what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. We do not want to be. There's no reason for us to be a foolish virgin and have the door shut. We say yes to you, Lord. We say yes to you. Adjust our hearts. We surrender our hearts. We say yes to surrender. We say yes to your will because you are kind and good and you love us with an everlasting love. And I, I pray, Father, that our hearts would grow deeper in this knowledge and intimacy with you. And that we're going to see one day that that wisdom to build our life upon will be justified. Our faithfulness will be rewarded in eternity. And so we worship you, Lord. We thank you, Father. And if, you, if you're in here today and you, you don't even know if you're saved, if you died today, would you? Would you go to, into the presence of God? That's an important thing to know. Salvation is a gift. It's not based upon anything you've done in your life. It's based upon what He did. Our eyes are fixed on what He did for us. And he bore your sin and the sin penalty on the cross for you so that you could be one with Him. And so if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I would encourage you today, give your life to Christ. It'd be the best decision of your life and then you can live from here forward with him and it's just a simple prayer I'm going to just pray it you pray a prayer that says Jesus come into my life forgive me of my sin make me a new creation I thank you for welcoming me into my into your family help me to live for you from this day forward in Jesus name Amen.